welcome to a new episode of Paya Project, uh, the unofficial podcast about the board game Gaia Project with inverted consonants, th- so that you know for sure that it's unofficial. Here is uh, Matteo El Tembro, along with Simone Molfo. Exactly, here we are again. Okay, so third episode, uh, we just finished our long discussion about faction tires. So maybe this time we're going to provide some useful content, maybe? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will try, we will try to, to do that. Uh, that could be the case. Regarding uh, this episode, we would like to thank you for listening to us, of course, and also for the feedback you gave us. Among the people who told us what they thought about what we said and who weren't totally triggered. Thank you, guys. I found I find here uh, a note from Common Raven, who told us that best codes are stronger uh, when the player count is three, three, sorry, Italian here, rather than four. And I think it's correct, don't you? Yeah, this is entirely true, obviously, because um, as we have said, the best codes, they really suffer uh, the, that you know competition on, on the on the on the planets so it's better for them to have to have in least competitive less competitors in game uh in general maybe we we haven't made a specific point in in the, the last two episodes but in general our considerations are mostly focused on uh four player games yeah i think that four player is our favorite format uh, yeah it's sort maybe. of a go Sort of a, of a golden standard for Gaia mm-hmm, Project, but mm-hmm. in my I view, think, at least. Yes, yes, I agree. I think, I think it is. I think it is. I think it's, it's probably the, the 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 most competitive form of the game. So this is why we are normally referring to that um, to the specific format. But yeah, yeah, likely. But uh, regarding this uh, episode, we listened to you guys, and so I would like to thank uh, Vin, Siram seventy one from Board Game Geek. And then, uh, well, Roadrunner19, Babook49, and Steve from the Discord channel Gaia Fight Club, if I'm not mistaken, link in the mm-hmm. description of this episode, for suggesting us the topic of this new episode, which is... Which is Advanced Tactiles. No, no, no it's, it's not. not Advanced Tactiles. It's, uh, it's the map. We, we want to do advanced tech tiles. Actually, we already recorded advanced tech tiles. <laughs> but, 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 but Matteo, you know, he tried to trick the, the people on the Discord asking, what do you want to, you know, among all these different topics, what do you want to, Maybe. Do you want us to, to, talk, to talk about? Maybe advanced tech tiles? And uh, everybody just, answered, just a suggestion. No, just a suggestion. Every, everybody went out, no, we want the map. Okay, then let's record. So, <laughs> Yes, we had we had an episode ready, but here we are recording again because we love you. We love you, folks, and we have fun doing this. We maybe yes, we have fun, and so today we are doing the map. Uh, we, we're we're going to, you know, say so many things about the map in Gaia Project that you will. I mean, we will we will say everything about the map. We will say everything about each sector, each planet, each faction, each color. You will, you, you will, you know, by the end of this episode, you will be... Each, each planet. Each you, planet. You have yes, to we know... We will comment, we'll comment on each planet individually, separately. You have to know the hexagons one by one, by uh-huh. heart. Exactly, exactly. That, that's what we're going to do. Man, this okay. is going to be a long episode. Let's start. Let's start. What can we say about the map? You had something you wanted to say first, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't think I am, because we actually prepared this 
Maybe yeah. so you know. <laughs> yeah, it would be weird if you were mistaken. Um, all right, yeah. Mm, so this episode will be mainly divided into two uh, parts. The first part of the episode, we will, you know, analyze the map per se. So how do you uh, judge the, the, um, the, the value of a, given, of a given faction in a specific map uh, context, right? In a specific, you, you look at the map and you know which factions are good to play on that map and which factions you should probably avoid. So the first uh, half of the episode will be, will be devoted to these. And then the second half of the episode will be devoted specifically to the, to the appraisal of to the, the map regarding each color, isn't it? Yes, and also to the non non canonical option of rotating sectors, right? So in Gaia Project, at least in the online version that you find on uh, on board gamers, uh, there is an option uh, that allows the last player in turn order to rotate. The sectors, right? So we, we also want to, to spend some time uh, focusing on that specific, because this is one of the main tools you have at your disposal for balancing the game. The other obviously being auctions, right? So you can combine these, you can have an auction and uh, last priority sectors, or you can only have auctions, or you can only have rotating sectors. Rotating sectors. So uh, we will focus on the second part of the episode, we will focus on uh, Oh, sorry. No, I just wanted to say that you can, of course, uh, rotate sectors as well when playing live. I mean, it's a bit difficult because you have to pick up the sector tile, physically rotate it, and then put it back into position. But that's part of the fun, I suppose. Yep, yep. We will, we will get to that as well. So for a start, in order to introduce the topic of the map today, there is one initial consideration that I'd like to make. And I don't know if Matteo 100% agrees with me on this. The point that I want to make here now is that attention to the map at the very beginning of the game, when you have to, to pick uh, your faction. So attention to the, ma- to the map, it seems to me on the current meta is uh, a little bit overrated. Can I say that? No, uh, I, I think that you can say that. And I can also tell you that actually I wholeheartedly agree on this. It always happens in my game. There is somebody that sees, say, four planets of the same colors, you know, each within two AC distance of each other or each within two squares, two hexagons of each other. And and, and they go, you know, uh, it's uh, it's four um, gray planets. So I'm taking Beskots. So maybe you should take... I'm taking Beskots, right? Okay. Um, Obviously, having a lot of planets in a favorable position for your specific faction is a good thing. But it is extremely important that you remember to consider the other uh, elements of the game that that create the the starting scenario, right? That create the starting uh, setup of the game. So maybe you have a map which is very, very good for, say, Terrans, but uh, the main objectives are not good for them. The basic tech tiles are in a bad position. You know, they're played, the, the, the tech tiles that they want ended up at the bottom of, of tracks that you don't, you don't want to climb up. Maybe uh, there on, are not interesting advanced tiles on top of the tracks you want to climb. Exactly, and on, and on, the, and on, the, and on the tracks that you want, that you do want to, to climb up, there are not, uh, there are not good um, advanced tech tiles. And maybe the uh, round scoring bonuses are not great for Terrans. So it's okay to look at the map, but 
you should consider the other elements of the setup as well. As well. I would go as far as to say that if you have a, an extremely good positioning of basic tactiles, advanced tactiles, uh, uh, main objectives, round scoring, and so on, you can make, with certain faction at least, you can make the game work even if the map is not great. But if you have a great map and a terrible setup on, on, you know, on all the other factors combined, then you're, you're going to have a, a very difficult game. Indeed, uh, I agree with you. That is true for some faction more than for others, of course, but we will discuss yes. them in a minute. We shall start talking about the map itself anyway. Shall we, Master Marty? Yes, let's do that. <laughs> a good starting criteria is this. Is there any color who has a lot, or I mean, even more, home planets within QSC distance than others. This helps because it will help you greatly in your initial expansion, even if you are planning on Gaia forming, and especially even if you are planning on terraforming a lot, because a first initial mine is almost vital for almost all factions. So mm -hmm. bear that in mind. However, as Simone said before, you should always consider that if the situation is great, this cannot be the main reason. Yeah, the deciding, the deciding factor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In mm -hmm. general, I think that regarding the map, you should look at all of the colors and not uh, fo just focusing on the one which seems, uh, I don't know if you agree on this, but if you uh, see a color which is greatly advantaged, say mm -hmm. yellow, all right. Uh, you also should look for all the colors, all of them. And in that case, especially check if the neighbors of your home planet, so in this case, brown and orange, mm -hmm. also have a good map. Because there are factions, as we said before, that suffer from competition on planets more than others. And this is especially true for gray and yellow, in my opinion. I don't know if yeah, you Yeah, definitely, definitely. Those are the two... The, the, the two heavily map-dependent colors, um, yes. gray and yellow. So uh, oh. mine, what other players have already picked, that's the best situation, or are going to pick. Because Exactly, exactly. Yes, 100% agree. Everything that Matteo just said. So uh, you need to keep into consideration how many planets you have within a uh, distance of two, within a distance of three, and if and whether or not you are able to colonize at least one planet of your uh, faction's color uh, in round one, right? Uh, in, in general, as a general statement, I would say that if all the, um, all the planets of your, of, 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 of the planets of your color are at a distance of four or more, then that's not a great map for you, for the faction that you are thinking uh, about playing. And it is only certain factions that can hope to pull off a good game in that type of situation. Some factions I would not even consider playing. Uh, actually, most factions I would not even consider playing in a situation where there is no planet within QAC distance. Unless you have a very, very specific plan in mind, 
I strongly urge you to reconsider playing certain factions under these starting circumstances. In particular, as Matteo was saying, I would never play gray, both, both sides of the gray board. I would completely avoid if there are no planets within uh, reach of a QAC. And I, well, that's not necessarily the case for yellow and especially the green side of yellow because gleans can get around not having plans within QAC distance, first of all, because they cannot use QACs, and then because they, <laughs> they can very easily use Gaia planets to jump from, from planet to planet if the Gaia planets are in the right positions. So the gleans are the map, we've already said that, but the gleans are, are the, the, the faction that are the most map dependent, right? If you want to play Glean, you need to be able to read the map and see if, if there is a path for you, right? If you combine all the yellow planets, all the Gaia planets, is there a way that you can, you know, jump from planet to planet and, and, and colonize a decent amount of these, uh, these planets? There are other two general, uh, very important factors, in my opinion, uh, that you should look at when you start looking at the map. And these are neighbors possible or mm -hmm. actual neighbors. Mm -hmm. And the other one is boosters, especially mm -hmm. in consideration of the position you have uh, in the round order. Because yes. what Simone just said is totally true. Uh, I mean, do not pick a faction if, it's, uh, if it doesn't have planets within QAC distance, at least for the first games. But remember that boosters exist. So if you are the third or the fourth player and you see that you will have for sure access to one of the boosters, which helps your mobility and mm -hmm. namely they are the one step. The, yes, the one terraforming step booster, yes. The plus three to your movement, which is probably one of the best boosters uh, all round for uh, round one. And yes. the and also the QIC plus two coins booster because uh, this won't uh, th this won't grant you any trick. I mean, you will just have another QIC to start with, but mm -hmm. uh, it can help a lot in colonizing, say, a row of uh, three planets uh, each within QIC distance uh, from each other. So uh, exactly. That will help you. It can make a good situation even better. Of course, it's unlikely that you will end up being third or fourth to pick a faction and have access to one of the, um, of the factions which will uh, benefit the most from these boosters. But uh, it can also turn an, a desperate situation into a viable one. If you pick third or fourth, you will likely have access to a good booster for uh, movement or mm -hmm. organizing. And when, uh, one last thing I would like to say about this is that uh, if you plan, if you rely better on picking the one-step uh, terraforming boosters, you have to be uh, very aware of what your neighbors will be. Because there are not many planets that are directly adjacent to one of yours. We said before, uh, for yellow, uh, brown or orange, which will not be uh, already colonized by a player who picked that color. Because this is also a recommendation for placing your initial minds because if you have a faction which is a colored neighbor of another and there is that booster in play, 
a hundred percent you have to place your initial minds adjacent to the one of the other player because otherwise the possibility that that planet will be taken from you around one yeah. is very high yeah and even if that booster isn't in play they can still take the you know uh of one course the power, step action. power action so yeah you have to be wary of that so as we were saying there are factions that suffer this competition on planets more and gray is an excellent example so okay let's let's go let's get down with some practical examples oh, um just just one quick note uh, if i can before because uh you also try to see uh, which colors are the most favored, uh, meaning that they have, yes, these planets within QAC distance, but also uh, they are not uh, like in the farthest bo borders of the map. I mean, mm. if your planets are, to, are leaning towards the center of the map, it's in general a very good situation. I mean, better than if you had, say, four planets within QIC distance, but they are all scattered around at the borders of the galaxy because you won't have many neighbors. And when considering a faction and the map, also consider your potential neighbors because you can have an awesome map for your faction, but if nobody else is going to be there, you're going to be in trouble upgrading yes. your buildings. Okay. That, that, this, is an important, this is an important remark. And also in general, generally speaking, planets that, you know, that, that lean towards the center of the map give you more possibility for, for, for future movements, right? You, you have more, more, di more possible directions in which you can move. But if, you're, if your homewards are all, you know, crushed at the, at the very border of the, or the very edge of the map, then there is just, you know, so many directions you can move in. So uh, central planets in general, better. However, this also means more competition. So keep that in mind. Let's have a practical example. Let's talk about gray. So we have said that well, everybody knows that the gray board is not a particularly beloved board by players. I mean, somebody, some people, they, they love the, the gray factions. Me and Matteo, we love the gray faction. But it is a fact that these, these two factions, the, the Beskas and, and Firax, they often, often underperform. Uh, one of the reasons uh, that, that this is the case is that, as we have said, they suffer from competition for their homewards. And, and, and why is that? For entirely different reasons. Uh, so Beskos and Firax have a very different play style, but they suffer from the same problem. Why? Because Firax are very slow uh, in expanding because every turn they have, you know, uh, to, to, to pull their magic trick. And so they, I have to build a, a research lab and then I have to downgrade it and then I have to build it again. So I spend a lot of resource in, 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 in these, in, you know, in fueling the, the, the Firax science machine, uh, which means that at the end of the game, I will score plenty of points on the science tracks, but I will have expanded very little. Matteo is a very good uh, Firax player. I've seen Matteo winning games with, with just, you know, six structures on the game, on the on the board, sorry, uh, which is which is very extreme play style. But yeah, I, I uh, like to play Firax to their extreme. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, but there's an extreme. He, he likes to experiment new new kinky stuff with the Firax. But I'd say that you know. No, you have to expand. It's it's better you, if you expand. You have you have to expand. This, this, this is a, this is a very you know it can be it is a strategy. It's a very advanced strategy that can work under very specific conditions. But in general, you cannot win a game of Gaia Project with six structures on the board. So you have to expand. And Firax are slow at expanding. Also because navigation is normally not the first track they they tend to climb. So. 
by the time that you are, you know, Firoc machine is, is up and running, several vital planets will already have been taken from you, right? Which means your homewards and also your step one, uh, you know, the, 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 all the planets that you have that are forming one, that means white and, and brown. Also because your neighbor, one, well, one of your neighbors, especially the brown neighbor, is a particular... Ugh is a particularly aggressive board. Taclons and especially Ambas are quick expanders. Ambas because they, they move around a lot. They're very good at you know moving around, jumping from planet to planet and, and, and getting all these juicy brown planets, their homewards, and then they start you know attacking your, your, your gray planets. And Taclons because they're very good at terraforming, obviously, because it's very easy for them to take the step one uh, power, power action. So you really have a problem. So gray has a problem if brown is in play. As a rule of thumb, I rarely pick gray as a first or third choice. I, I normally I pick gray. I, I play gray if I'm third or even better last in turn order. So I already know what factions are in play. So if you want to pick gray, be 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 wary of the factions that I have already been picked and the faction that might be picked. All right. Best cuts, on the other hand, have the same problem. Uh, same problem, but it's also the opposite problem. Because best cuts, they're really good at expanding first round or first uh, and second round. Uh, that's, a, that's a possible start. That's uh, a possible start. A good I, one. I agree. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. This is just a personal consideration, but I do not play best cuts. I, I just don't pick them unless I know and I can get five or even better all of my home planets in the first two rounds of the game. If, if I see that that's not doable, I, I normally don't play Beskuds. And in case you're wondering why, it's because Beskuds extract a lot of value from their home worlds because when they open their planetary institute, each of these uh, planets is going to be worth one extra point for, for Federation forming, right? And also full power charging, yes, yes, yes. Exactly. So it's it's for every planet they lose to, well, Nevelos, but possibly Taclons. Uh, every 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 great planet that they, the best because they fail to 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 colonize for that is a huge loss. It represents a huge loss for them. So that's why playing Beskos where Ambas when Ambas are in play, it's uh, it's a gamble, and one that I would not normally take, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the fact is that gray is a, a very good start, I think, when talking about the colors and the map, because these two factions are very map dependent under very different aspects. Firox tend to be boxed or sandwiched, as you, as you see it, mm -hmm. uh, very easily by their color neighbors. Brown is terrible for, uh, for them because uh, there's also the problem that they... They can even not pick any of your home words, but uh, they will re they will toggle from you. Uh, you won't have uh, one step planets at your disposal, yep. which is the problem. I mean, if in play uh, there are Ambas and Neblas, you are done. You will not mm -hmm. play basically because uh, all plus Neblas will be will be fueled by your forge of the downgrading and upgrading. So uh, that can be terrible, but. They will toggle from your availability their own home planets, and Thrax have real problems expanding. On the other hand, Beskots can suffer a bit less 
from discolored neighbors, but uh, their gray planets are vital for the Federation forming, which is one of their best abilities. So yeah, uh, pick gray when you had a good map. And with Betscots, I think you meant that this means having a lot or at least as many gray planets as possible within range two. This is one of those differences because if you're going to colonize all of them or almost all of them, you are going to go navigation two and then pick as many as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. In general, one of the starting opening strategies that I that I that I normally use with best because that I feel to recommend to, uh, especially you know, not so experienced players which maybe are struggling playing best codes. So my, the normal best codes opening is opening a research lab and using their ability and taking two bumps on the navigation track. So you get navigation two and you start colonizing gray planets. Consider that if you are last and you have access to the plus three movement booster, that's huge for you because may, because that's what can help you getting all six of your home planets in, in round one or early round two. Great. However, as another advantage with, which we didn't talk about yet. Oh, I didn't say that, but uh, mm-hmm. of course, when we're looking at gray, especially look at the sectors numbered three and nine, because those mm-hmm. are the sectors where you have uh, one of your neighbors directly adjacent to your planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also, also these two sectors have a nice Gaia planet on them, which is uh, uh, just two places uh, away from, in the case of three, the white planet, and in case of nine, your gray planet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which can be extremely good with both, especially with Pascals, okay, but also with Firax, because Gaia planets are contended be- between players, but that can help you in having another planet that you can colonize, but also look for the famous <laughs> number or seven infamous. tile, or infamous, depending, number seven tile, because that tile is uh, usually super important for another color, which we will talk about later, mm-hmm. a random one, but also for you. <laughs> if you are best gods, you can colonize the gray planet on the seven tile, mm-hmm. go navigation two, and then ta-da, you already have the two QICs which are needed for colonizing these two guys round one immediately. Two more mines on the board with no effort. In the worst case, with Firax, you can charge from other players if they are there. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, you know, when people, I mean, players that have an experience with this game, they, they think uh, Sector 7 and they think immediately, um, obviously, if it's an Ambas, because this is the famous sector, which is very good. It allows, if it's an Ambas, very powerful openings. But people uh, often forget that there's also a gray planet, which is within two di- uh, distance of these two Gaia planets, as uh, Gaia planets, as Matteo was saying. So, uh, and, and that's good per se, but also, uh, depending on how the sectors are combined and rotated, these Gaia planets within two from, from one of your homewards, maybe they can allow you to jump on a Gaia planet and then jump again another two hexagons away where possibly another gray planet lies. So study the map. Beskot, they're not as good as Gleans in, in, in doing this, but sometimes Beskot can, can do this, can use a Gaia planet uh, to jump. So they have their starting homeward, then they have a Gaia within two, and then they have another gray planet within two of that Gaia. 
And so you can jump from planet to planet and, and, and get in colonize several planets around one. And this is why also the two credits, one QAC booster can be really good for best codes if you are in, in, in one of these situations. As a final note for gray, I'd like to say that uh, it's a weird color on the map because gray has a lot of planets which are on the outer edge of the sec- of the tile themselves. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, gray can happen mm-hmm. to have incredible maps where a lot of its planets are within range two uh, yeah. from each other. But mm-hmm. also gray is famous or infamous again for having terrible starting maps because yeah. these gray planets can end up at the very edge of the map, making mm-hmm. it nigh unplay- unplayable. And this is uh, why gray usually has extreme maps. So very good or very bad, but also in the case of very good, beware of your neighbors because yes. ambas don't care that you have a great map. Exactly, exactly. Uh, this is very, very true what Matteo is saying, that gray is an extreme color in that uh, all, all the planets are on the, on the very edge of the tiles. So sometimes the maps, you know, you, you just look at the map and say, okay, it is it's literally impossible to play a, a gray game, a great gray game on this map. But and... we were talking about brown, maybe we want to... Yes, yes. Um, so well, we already we said it finally. Mm-hmm. We already said plenty, plenty of things about, about brown. And okay, brown is one of these. And, and, and I'm referring here to the to both sides of the brown board. So the the, the, the gray board is famous for hosting the most uh, underwhelming factions. In in well, not underwhelming, but I mean factions that are niche, maybe there are niche factions. Niche factions, factions that are famous for underperforming, while. Brown factions are famous for overperforming. Both the Taclons and the Ambas are recognized as very powerful factions. And so brown was the color I had in mind when I said that sometimes you can play a good game even if you have a map where you have no homewards at QAC distance of each other. No, 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 no. wait, wait, wait. Uh, Say it as it is. I mean, Simone looks at the science track, looks at the base tiles, picks Taclons, and then looks at the map. This is how yeah. we, I've seen him doing this. See, be honest with our listeners. Yes, yes. Uh, so Taclons can do that because we, we already talked about that because Taclons have this overabundance of resources that can help you compensate uh, for a non-optimal starting situation say if you if you see that the map is good that we you, you will have plenty of neighbors for instance if you're picking taclon and you know that there are one or two spots where you can place your starting mines and maybe build a research uh, sorry um, a train station there and you will charge a lot because everyone will be your neighbor in that specific sector then consider playing taclons even if you don't have planets within qac distance because you can easily overcome that you will you will produce so many resources that you will find ways you know around these by either going by either amassing a lot of knowledge points and then going up uh, and navigation early or by using the by simply using the terraforming actions and um, so if you want to do this that's where planets at uh, one one at the first level of terraforming become important. So if you want to do this, check where the yellow and the gray planets are. If you have plenty of yellow and gray planets in between, uh, near within two, let's say, of, of the two starting homewards that you pick, 
And if, especially if uh, one or better two of these colors are not in play, then you're going to have a fine game with Taclons. That, that's not going to be a problem. Uh, just, they... a, just a sec, with regards to, yes. to this and Taclons in particular, I'd like to stress <laughs> mm. the importance of looking at tile one. This is a very good tile for Brown because it's, it has adjacency to, the yellow, to a yellow planet. Mm-hmm. Also, is within two spaces of a blue planet, which is also adjacent to a transient planet. So it's the case that if tile one is well positioned, you will both have a yellow neighbor or a planet that you can easily colonize. So both of them are good. And if Terrans are in play, that can uh, likely be a very good spot for them to start. So already one or two neighbors and an easy planet to pick. Mm, yes, that because, because uh, yeah, one they were saying here uh, to the advantage of our listeners that maybe are not very super experienced players and so have, have missed one, one step there. Uh, what Matteo is saying is that if you're close with Terrans and Terrans have a transient planet near them, they will probably build there and colonize the transient planet and build there as well. So we, you will get a lot of charging from, you know, having Terrans as your neighbors. Is that right, Matteo? Uh, yes, and also you almost grant yourself a neighbor for you, for your upgrading, because uh-huh. yes, you also <laughs> need that. Yes, no, indeed. For so mm-hmm. Because Taclons like company. Taclons like to be in the middle of the action so they can yeah, charge. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very sociable. Um, to the, to the ex- yeah, that's what their propaganda says, but whatever. <laughs> Again, no, we were starting with Ambas. Okay, let's start with Ambas so we're done with it and we can go on. Please, please, please. Yes, I, I don't think we, we need to spend, you know, too much time discussing Taclons because I, 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 I'm sure that, that, you know, people who are listening to this can figure out Taclons by themselves. It's not that difficult. Ambas, on the other hand, they don't really care not having planets within QAC distance because nine out of 10, they will get to navigation to round one, right? So at that point... Let's say 10 you, out of 10. I don't know. Let's say let's say 10 out of 10. Let's be let's be honest here and say 10 out of 10. So at that point, you can with, with a single QAC, you can jump four spaces, right? So at that point, it's very unlikely that you're still in a situation where you cannot colonize any any other brown planet on the map. And also Ambas start with two QACs because they're already navigation one. So they for them is really easy to colonize uh, Gaia planets. And again, from, from a Gaia planet, then maybe you can jump and reach another brown planet. And this is the same game that you play, that best gods play. The problem is that Ambas play it uh, uh, more quickly. And, and that's where and that's where the Bescot's disadvantage lies because uh, Ambas need one action and then they're in navigation two and they start colonizing. Bescot's need to use their ability to go up navigation. Then they need to build a re- trading station and then they need to build a research lab in order to get navigation two and then they can start colonizing. So there are two actions behind Ambas in this, uh, in this respect. And this is why if it's a competition, well, the Ambas are probably going to win that race. So that's why that's where you have to be um, aware of when you play, if, if you decide to play to play best codes. Yeah, and... let's say that if there is a race, Ambas are racing in a Ferrari, while you just have a bicycle with a chain broken. So you're not exactly. going to win that race with best Exactly, cuts. exactly. All right, so I think we can move on to our next uh, color, which is yellow. Yes, uh, about brown, we can just say that maybe uh, tile seven is 
best for ambas while tacklons should not look at that with too much greed because for them it's better to look uh, at neighbors as i was saying uh, as i was saying at the beginning but ambas for ambas style seven is actually a, a very good one yes yes okay. indeed I, I forgot to mention that no worries about about ambas but of course we, we already said that title seven is very good for for ambas well tacklons can maybe get one of these two gaia planets if they want but tacklons are not particularly interested in sector seven more than they are in other sectors. It really depends on how the map is shaped in each specific game. In general, one recommendation when when it comes to tile seven, unless you are the Evits, I'd say, don't be overly greedy, you know? It's okay to start with the mine in sector seven and get just one of these two Gaia planets. Because, again, it's good to have neighbors. Sometimes people, you know, they get very hasty in colonizing everything that they have at their disposal. They, they get both these Gaia planets in Sector 7 only to find themselves stranded there with no neighbors, right? So this, this is a thing that, that you might want to keep in mind. And also you won't stop Ivitz doing that. Don't try that. It won't work. Anyway. And also, yeah, you will, I mean, you will annoy Ivitz, but in the end you will not, that's not going to ruin, totally ruin their game, right? Also, so, also because they get a ton of charge from that. So uh-huh, be uh-huh, exactly. Be so yellow, oh, yellow. this is interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't like yellow, uh, to uh, be honest. <laughs> I, don't, I, I think so. I do. I do like as I, you know, I, I think people who have listened to our first two episodes by now they know that I like Gleans. I, I do like Gleans more than I than I like Xenos. That's that's for sure. And and, and I'm not saying that Gleans are necessarily stronger than Xenos. I'm just saying that I like playing them more. But um, yeah, Yellow. It's it's a weird. It's weird board because up until now it was very easy to comment, you know, color by color because uh, you know both both sides of the gray board have the same necessities and uh, both sides of the of the brown board have similar advantages when it comes to map consideration. But uh, the map considerations that you have to do for the yellow board are incredibly different when it comes to Xenos or or Glean. Right, and the reason for Agreed. that is that well, we already talked about gleans, so gleans work in a similar way to best cuts. So don't pick gleans unless you are third or or four player in turn order, I'd say. And in, in general, be aware of the ambas for the same reasons that we, we already explained. The difference between gleans and, and best cuts is that gleans do also run on a Ferrari. Possibly an even an even better one than the Ambas because Gleans they do not even have to stop you know to, to accumulate QACs they they just QACs. You know, move to move to for, from 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 Gaia planet to Gaia planets or from Gaia planet to, to yellow planets without ever stopping until they run out of of, uh, of ore. So the Glean can have very explosive starts in this respect and and in these they can compete with Ambas. Remember though that Ambas can use QACs to move up to four hexagons and you cannot yellow is interesting because when i was looking at the sectors and Mm. thinking about what are the good ones for yellow well yellow actually has a great map in in the on paper because you uh, okay you have your neighbors directly next to your planet on tiles one and five and with regards to the tile number five we can say that yellow has an advantage over 
uh, gray because orange factions are not so aggressive in taking your planets. Okay, geodens can and will try do all they can to grab one of your yellow planets, but uh, they're not as aggressive as uh, Neblas or um, or worse uh, Ambas. But um, so the orange are a bit easier to get for you. But if it's not, it's not a big problem because you actually have other two great tiles at your disposal. And these are tile number six, where you you have a trans team next to your yellow planet. So if you want to go the Gaia forming route for Glynn, you mm-hmm. should consider that. Although mm-hmm. that's not something we recommend. But anyway, you also have a Gaia planet next to this trans team. So if, if you have Glynn especially, you can jump directly to that Gaia and then maybe Gaia form the trans team in between. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's also another nice tile for yellow, which is tile number 10. Tile number 10 has exactly the same situation because you have a Gaia planet, your range two, mm-hmm. just one hexagon away, and also two transiting planets. One of them can be reached with navigation two. So I don't know. I don't recommend Gaia forming with Gleans because it's a bit of an advanced uh, thing to do. But anyway, these two tiles are interesting. Maybe more for Gleans than for Xenos. I'd say that Xenos can be a better pick on uh, Gleans when you do not have the path that Simone was talking about at the beginning, but you have lots of yellow planets within QIC distance because you start with an additional QIC coming from Mm -hmm. your step Mm -hmm. on the QIC track. And you're also likely to get more across the game because you you not only have your academy, you have your Planetary Institute, which grants you an additional one each round. And on top of that, you start with three mines on board, meaning mm-hmm. that you have a much wider range. So when considering yellow, first of all, consider that you are considering yellow because, whoa. But anyway, uh, <laughs> if there's a great path of yellow planets, uh, which is uh, just two steps uh, away one from each other, greens are maybe the best choice. But uh, if you have lots of yellow planets within QIC distance, Xenos can be more interesting. Of course, you can go up navigation to Xenos, but I don't know, maybe at that point, just be cleans. Exactly, exactly. That's possibly not the best opening strategy for, for Xenos, although it is, it is certainly doable. One additional thing I'd say about Xenos is that Xenos are a weird faction. It, I mean, their, their relation with, with the map is it's, it's weird because the fact that they start with that extra mine, I mean, that's a huge thing, right? Because it, it gives you, you know, the possibility to, to worry about the map less than other factions. For instance, take the um, example that Matteo gave you before, you know, you, all the faction, they have uh, uh, they have two planets that are uh, adjacent to a planet of a faction that has your homeward as a step one uh, terraforming planet, right? So in, in the case of Xenos, uh, orange and brown. So the point is that if that color is in play and they have access to the step booster or they ha- in general, they have access to the... Um, step one terraforming power action then you know you're in trouble i mean you have to you know deploy your your initial one of your initial minds has to be on that planet otherwise it will surely get colonized 
by uh, your neighbor. And the, and the problem with that is maybe that is not the point where you wanted to, you know, to place your initial mind. Maybe you have two great planets that you wanted to use for your starting position. And then there is the third planet. You don't really care about that, but you know that if you don't put your mind there now, you will never see the planet again because it will, it will be taken round one. So with, Zen with Xenos, you don't have this problem because you can, you can place you know, your two normal minds on the best spots you have on the map. And then also put, also place the, the, the mind on the third planet to prevent an easy terraforming uh, on the part of your arrival, that, be that brown or um, orange. So that's a huge advantage. Okay, so uh, maybe we can progress Move on. With, with the fiery neighbors of yellow, meaning uh -huh. the orange board, a, a board which personally I love. I always play orange whenever I can. <laughs> and I also am a woman. So, but there is being sarcastic. <laughs> so orange, what can we say about orange in general? You have tile one and five, which I've already told you about. Tile five is also, tile five is a good one for Xenos, for example. And it's not so a great one for Baltax in my opinion, because you have a Gaia planet, but it's within two, so you don't care a lot about being navigation distance with Baltax because you are not going to climb the crack anyway. But you still have the yellow one, so you can terraform that easily. But especially what I want to say about sectors and the orange board is that one tile you should always look at uh, with Baltax is uh, tile number eight. That's the only tile, I mean, not counting how the map is composed, of course, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. that's the only tile that has a transit planet next to one of your orange ones and also a transit planet within QIC distance. So when playing Baltax, uh, that's not a given, but you should pay attention to tail number eight. That can be a, a telltale one if it's a good map for Baltax, even if mm -hmm. you're not ga heavily Gaia forming. The fact that you can place a transit there, uh, sorry, a Gaia forming there, without worrying about reaching it with one of your precious, precious QACs is something to be aware of. And I, I don't know, Geodans maybe can have uh, a better life uh, on tiles number five and, and one because uh, that's where the planets they look to terraform are next to them. Even if when I, in, in the rare cases, when I pick Geodans, uh, these planets are always colonized somehow, but, but anyway. <laughs> Well, yes, as far as Baltax are concerned, I'd say that Baltax, more than any other faction, probably, they love planets that are next to each other. Yeah, because, they love clusters. Mm -hmm, they love clusters because their faction ability allows them to create QACs, and they really love having to spend these QACs in order to move, right? So it's much better if you, if you can spare one of those QACs and get to the planets you're interested in without spending any. So as Matteo was saying, pay attention to those sectors where this happens naturally and pay attention to clusters that might be formed by, uh, you know, the specific positioning of the sector in this specific game. So Baltax, for instance, love to have two transiting planets 
uh, next to one of their of their homeworlds of their starting planets, right? Because that's two Gaia formers that you can place on the board without having to spend a QAC. As uh, Babook was noting the other day on the on the Discord chat, it's very inefficient to spend a CQ in order to move and then and then spend a, a, a Gaia former, which in Baltax case counts as a CQ as a QAC to Gaia form, right? That's two QACs that you have wasted to get a single planet. It's not that great of a deal. So Baltax love to have adjacent planets and so look out for those yummy clusters if you plan to pick Baltax, if you want to play Geodense on the other hand. What I, I'd recommend, uh, that really depends on the type of uh, Geodense game that you want to play. And that would need a separate episode to comment on one that we will do very soon, Geodens episode coming soon, maybe not now, but soon. But to to you know trying to 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 summarize my thoughts on the on the topic is a lot of players tend to you know have a classic Geodens opening that consists in opening their PI and trying to colonize one or two different planet types around one in order to get six a knowledge point. Most of the Geodens games that I see played online are played in this way. And this is not at all the Geodens start that I would recommend because I see a lot of Geodens games and I don't see a lot of Geodens games where, where Geodens actually won. So that should sound as an alarm, as a bell. That's not possibly not the best uh, opening strategy for, for Geodens. What I recommend is playing Geodens when you have access to at least two planet, two other planets besides your starting two orange planets. I would say play Judas if you have access to another two very easy planets, possibly orange ones, so that you can open with a research lab or an academy round one and still expand without the need to terraform new planets so that you can start terraforming once you open your planetary institute, right? So Geodens, I, in my opinion, the way I play Geodens, Geodens, they love to have plenty of planets within QACT distance. So you are able to expand without sacrificing planets that you would terraform at the last stage in the game in order to get the, the three science income that your planetary institute ability grants you. Quick note about the Baltox and their QACs. Uh, unless there's a Gaia scoring round coming, if you have, if you can choose between colonizing a Gaia planet already on the map or placing one Gaia former on a trans team, just take the Gaia because you will freeze your Gaia former anyway, but at least you will spare the power. So, I mean, that can be of help if you have a lot of power on ball one, but in general, it's just better to pick the Gaia planet on the map and go on with your life. So not worrying yes. about... Yes, and also... Gaia formers that you have used in order to get a QAC, they will immediately be available at the start of the next round. While Gaia formers that you have on the map, you have to build the mine there first in order to get them back. So uh, it's uh, it's more efficient in under that respect as well. Okay, so I think we said a lot about Orange, and now mm-hmm. going with their neighbor, yeah, there are other neighbors. We mm-hmm. have. An interesting color, a very interesting one, which is red. Yes, red is another one of these colors where the two sides of the board have entirely, entirely different 
play styles. And so they look at the map in a very different ways. I think, well, when, when we were doing our tier list episode, we, we, we said that the, the, sorry, the Hachalas <laughs> are probably one of the most vanilla factions of the game. And I think this is reflected in the fact that the Hachalas have no, have no specific interactions, I would say, with the map. The Hachalas are happy in having an average map with, let's say, an, another red planet within QAC's distance. That's all that you need in order to play Hachalas. Uh, the, the, the shape of the map, I would say, is not the main concern of the Hachalas, unless you 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 decide to for the opening for their opening strategy that you know involves them getting to navigation two and and expanding very fast round one, uh, which is totally doable because at Shala get anyways even if they don't open any trading station they will get extra credits anyways so they can afford to go in in, in a mine spree round one and open plenty of mines and you know open just a, a research lab and and then build. A lot, a lot of mines. Uh, that's doable with Achalas. If round one is a Gaia scoring round, you can even place one of your mines on tile uh, seven. Yeah. And go up the navigation route, providing, of course, you don't have the competition with the Ambas. But you can also do that. Just be careful because you basically remain a build up faction. So you will need neighbors. Uh, later. And if Ambas are not in play, you will need a great player, of course, or maybe a Taclon, which is not very interested in that. But be wary of that. Red has an advantage on the seven tile because it's, along with gray, the only one color who has direct access to both of the Gaia planets yes. within range two. Yes. So uh, it's doable. I, I don't recommend that at the beginning. If you are starting with hard shallows, the best thing is to look for maps where you have one or better more red planets within QIC distance from your starting mines. Start expanding not too aggressively and think about uh, building up so you don't have another disadvantage of this, of this start, which is not going up the economy track. Anyway, you will get resources from your buildings. So exactly. I mean, we will we'll get into details about this when we will make an Ashal episode. But in general, you have a very powerful opening strategy that is climbing up the economy track. So if you're giving up that, I mean, consider what it is that you are getting in return if you give up the strategy of getting on top of the economy track round one, which is a very power, powerful opening. I like Ashalas. Um, I like a chalice. I like a chalice too. They're also, however, a faction who tend to... Oh, yeah. Oh, the other side little. of the board, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, oh, there's this one. Uh, I see. Yeah, the, the other side of the board. The other side of the board... So the other side of the board are the Evits, the infamous swarm. And the Evits have a very, very weird relation with the map. Because when you play... I mean, all other, fa all other factions, you can, you can start a game of Guy Project and say... Okay, maybe, just maybe, I'll be able to colonize all six of my homewards that, that exist on the map. But with Ivits, you already know that that's not going to be the case. You will get one. Well, first thing is that you only get one starting planet and not two. And, and by the end of the game, you will have gotten perhaps two, three, 
four on an incredibly amazing map that I cannot even start to imagine, but nothing more than that. So Evits are in a, in a way less concerned with the positioning of all the planets. Well, all the Evits need is perhaps a second red planet in a favorable position. In general, what the Evits want to do, I would say, at least the way I play the Evits, is to be able to open at least two mines round one because they start with no mine and they really want to build that research lab round one. So if you do, if you only open a single mine and then build a research uh, training station and a resource lab, you will enter round two with no mines at all. And that's not good because you will be starved for ore. So the, the, the best thing to do with Ivits is to open two mines round one and then build a training uh, station when, out of one of them. When looking at the map and considering Ivits, I'd say... Be creative. Don't limit yourself to the tile number seven, which is exactly. a good one, of course. But uh, other players know that. And even if before I said that picking those Gaia planets won't stop the Ivits, which is true, it will make your life more difficult anyway. So when picking, when considering Ivits better, look at all the red planets on the map. You have tile number 10, which is fantastic because your red planet there is next to a blue planet and also one just one step away from a juicy juicy Gaia planet this is a great start I think for Iris of course uh, considering uh, the map as a whole but also you have tile number one where you are next to uh, an orange planet and then you can place your space station just to reach that other blue planet I think that one of the best boosters for Ivitz is the initial step one, because it grants you a lot of opportunities to expand round one and build the famous two mines Simone was talking about. Of course, Gaia planets are easier because you already start with two QICs without doing anything. What a faction. Oh, wow. And no technology steps. Incredible. But uh, you still can do that. And also that will open... I mean, if you start on tile number one, that also opens you the way for a Gaia forming game, if, if you want to do that. But we will talk better about that in the dedicated episode. See, uh, this is just one tile on the whole map. I, I don't know. The other thing you should do with Iris, in my opinion, is to draw a sort of a path at the beginning of the game, which mm-hmm. you could take. I mean, you can deviate from that, of course, if planets are stolen from you. But look at small paths, which are easy for you like a lot of planets or your home planets or easy to terraform planets, each with a space between them where you can place a space station because uh, that's the way to look at the map when considering Ivitz, in my opinion. No, yes, not, yes. Not as, it's not normal, but you're not normal faction. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, looking for a path, a bit like the Gleams should do. Exactly, exactly. I entirely agree on that. The Evit's consideration when coming to the map are similar to those of the Gleams. Well, it's, they're different because the Gleams care about their homewards. The Evit's not necessarily so. But both factions, they want to look at the map and, and see a path they can follow. The Gleams want to do that very quickly. The Evit's cannot. But the Evit's need to have at least an idea of how they are going to expand in the course of the game. Even better, two possible strategies, so that if one gets blocked because of the planets in that area get 
taken, you can also, you know, uh, revert to the other strategy and, and, and continue expanding in the other direction. And so I, I agree with Matteo that uh, tile number seven is obviously a, a very good start for the EVITs, but all other other tiles as well, other positioning as well, depending on how the sectors are, are placed, uh, you can have other starts, especially if you know that people are going to, you know, trying to intercept you in, in on tile number seven, you, you can try to, you know, catch them off guard by placing your planetary institute in a different area of the map where nobody was expecting you and there are less ready to, to counter your game by stealing vital planets from you. Also, Ivits are maybe one of the less dependent faction from neighbors at the beginning, on neighbors, yeah. sorry, yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes you can place your planetary institute in a weird position, in a weird position like towards the edge of the map, uh, well, not exactly the edge, of course, but uh, no. in one of the outer sectors, not having immediately a, a neighbor just like you and still play and possibly win the game. There, yeah. uh, uh, But experience will tell you that. Uh, in general, the, the, the EVs are the only faction with which I risk the building of a trading station round one spending six credits. Yeah, uh, they, can, they can do that. And, and still be able to play a decent or more than decent round two. Other factions, not so much, with the possible exception of uh, Hatshalas, of course. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah. We're leading towards the end. Uh, yeah, so the, timid, the timid neighbor of, of red, the, the, the blue board. Well, not so timid, actually. But <laughs> Well, it's, it's timid uh, when it comes to you know, aggressive, aggressive expansion. It's, it's not something that the blue board... Well, in, in a sense, the Lamptids are aggressive expanders, but not in the sense that we have used uh, up until now. No, the Lamptids are, I mean, have an expansion of their own, but that would start easier. I mean, let's talk about Terrans. Because... Let's talk Terrans. All right. But what do we have to say about Terrans? Well, what, um, what... Just quick note, uh, with Terrans, you, as with uh, all other um, factions, you have two planets with the uh, direct adjacency to your one-step neighbors, which are tile uh, mm -hmm. 10 and 8. Mm -hmm. But it's not so important for Terrans, but, actually. But you also have... But you also have two incredible starting tiles, which are tiles number 6 and number 1, because both of these tiles have a transiting planet directly next to your blue planet and tile number six has another transiting within range two and on top of that a printed Gaia planet at uh, range two and adjacent to that transiting. You will notice that we haven't talked about ETARs yet but other heavy Gaia formers have uh, one of their home planets next to a transdim one, but Terrans, Terrans, they have two, just printed on the tiles without even composing the map. This clearly speaks about Terrans being the uber Gaia formers of this game. And indeed they are. And uh, for, for the very same reason, they are not as worried about the map as other factions are, because again, Terrans will get, will likely get to Navigation 2 relatively fast, and I say maybe not round one, right? But they will get there sooner than later. 
And also they can use transit planets as, as the jump planets to move and maybe, you know, colonize. Maybe they, they, they start on, on their homeworld and they, they move to and get to a transient planet. And from there, they get to another blue planet or to another transient planet, which is, very, which is also very good for them. And the, the, the point with blue planets is that they are not so much sought after. Because the two most aggressive factions, the, the brown factions, they don't want blue planets at all because there are three steps of terraforming for that. For that. So, so there is no risk that the Ambas will, you know, come and steal your precious blue planets. That's not gonna happen. And the white board, which is your direct neighbor, is not an aggressive early expanders. Eaters are not if they if they decide to terraform at all, which is not always the case. And nevelas, they are aggressive expanders, but they become Aggressive expanders, I would say, later on in the game, not possibly not round one. I don't know what Matteo thinks about this. No, no, I, but... I agree with you, actually, unless you have a very easy, I mean, you're on tile eight, if I remember correctly. But uh, yes, that's tile eight. If you are next to a blue planet and you, and you pick this step, yeah. but mm-hmm. I don't think that's mm-hmm. the best start for Nebulas anyway. Yeah, no. What you say is correct in general, in my in my opinion. Uh, blue planets are uh, a bit safer. The the problem can can be the red uh, board, actually, in my opinion, especially. Yes, Ibitz. but one side, yeah, but one side of the red board is very predictable. I mean, oh, Ibitz correct. will try to get your blue planets, uh, undoubtedly. But the point is that you always know whether or not the Ibitz are coming, right? Because it maybe Ibitz are on the other side of the board, and you don't even care what they're doing. Maybe they will get two of your planets down there but you wouldn't get to those planets anyway and so you just you know let the evits have their game and you and you go on colonizing the planets you're interested in in general the terrans are not so worried about their their homewards on on the one hand because as we said they are in uh, less immediate risk blue planets are in less immediate risk of early colonization and also because terrans will move from transdim to transdim so they will you know be they, they'll be able to build plenty of structures using transdim and possibly Gaia planets without worrying too much about their home, which is not to say that you, you have to, you know, not say, not take blue planets in consideration when you're playing Terrans. But... Yeah. No, sorry. What I recommend in general um, are for Terrans is just to look for, say, one blue planet within QIC distance at the beginning and that's yes. it. Because yes. Especially if you want to open with Planetary Institute. I mean, just pick that, grab that one and you're set. Uh, look for easily accessible or even not so easily accessible transdim ones that's yes. where your strengths lie yes the, ter- the terrans are i would say another faction that have to look carefully at the map and thinking about late game mid and late game as the gleans Correct. as the evits look at the map and see where you can get from where and how you're gonna expand you know across all of your game not just turn one and two other factions are more preoccupied with early expansions but factions such as the terrans they want to know well not exactly but more or less they want to know where they're headed right even in the mid game and late game i don't think that preoccupied is an english word actually what you meant i think was worried but anyway (laughs) okay whatever should we well you do the honors ah my turn (laughs) Uh uh-huh your turn lantids okay so here we have another super map-dependent faction, one of the most map-dependent de- factions in the game. And with Lantids, 
what you want is uh, i'd say everything <laughs> that's the problem no with lantis you of course want to, and like big clusters of planets but not to colonize them yourself i mean not exactly you want uh, that at least one of your starting blue planets has as many direct neighbors as possible because you like to place your um, parasite mines uh, without having to go up navigation or using QICs. That's key for landed. However, you will need to expand as a normal faction sooner than later because uh, you need to build up as well. You need uh, advanced structures, you need laboratories, you need academies. So when considering lantids, of course, you will have to take a lot of other factors into consideration. Never pick lantids as a first player, please do it for me. <laughs> but you, what you need is at least one blue planet within QAC distance from one of your starting mines, and especially as many direct neighbors as possible. The best situation with lantids to start is uh, to have both of your planets with a direct neighbor and one of them with two starting mines from other players and maybe a fourth planet which can be easily colonized by one of the other two or maybe even by you. The fact that you can place these mines on planets already colonized by other players does not mean that you don't like easy to colonize planets other than blue. You won't go much further than red and white, of course. I mean, that can yeah. be the case if it, in late uh -huh. game there's a... There's normally normally that's what happens with Lantids, yeah. But that's not what happens. It won't be very easy for you to get Gaia planets as well, because if you don't like going up the navigation track, other players will do, and maybe they will grab Gaia planets before you. But um, yeah, you need to expand anyway, uh, normally, so to say. Always remember, though, that you can always jump on other people's planets and then reach one of your blue planets. This is very important. But Lantis have a very strange uh, map study, uh, which uh, I'll be happy to discuss uh, when talking about them. Anyway, this In I think a future Lantid episode are good. I can't wait for that. Blue exactly. planets in big clusters and at least one easily accessible at the beginning. So uh -huh. we'll into what's right. yeah. We yes, we are left with just one color. But first, wow, 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 there is an advertisement here. So preoccupied is actually an English word, at least according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary Online since 1828. Preoccupied adjective, lost in thought, also absorbed in some preoccupation. I think it is an archaic word. Also, archaic is an archaic word. But hey, what do we know? Gaia Project expanding your vocabulary. Woo -woo -woo -woo. Okay, I, so I am back. never going to cut this. <laughs> back, back to our regular episode. This, this thing. It, it was epic, <laughs> it's never epic. Gonna white. Yeah, so white, white color. White color. What do we have on white? Uh, I'd say this is more, you know, the battlefield of Matteo more than is, it is mine. But I will anyway say something about the Eters, <laughs> a faction that uh, against, uh, you know, all common knowledge and sense about this game, I don't really enjoy playing a lot. I'm not a strong Eater player and I avoid them when I can. But in general, Maps, map considerations for eaters, they really depend on what type of eaters game you want to play, right? Mm. Uh, 
when I play the eaters, I tend to play heavily Gaia forming eaters. And in that case, if you want to, you know, have the classical, uh, the classic PI opening and 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 start Gaia forming round one, then what you what you care about are yes, of course, a white planet within QAC distance is uh, very nice to have probably very important to have. But in general, the same considerations, I would say, that are valid for Terrans apply, apply here. Look for transiting planets. Look at how they're placed around the map, in, you know, relative to the position of your white planets. And try to understand how you can expand using these uh, transiting planets across the game. I don't have much to add, actually, because uh, as you said, i mean, you said that you like to play heavily Gaia-forming ATARs. Mm-hmm. I will go a, a step further saying that I can, maybe I'm an ignorant man. No, I, I, for <laughs> sure I am. But I really don't get why you should not do that. Because, I mean, you can say, yeah, they had the super strong academy you, you, with, with which you can definitely open. It's a bit harder, but uh, you can. So I can also start terraforming with ATARs. Uh, I will have tons of knowledge. I can go up the terraforming track. I, I mean, I agree that that's true. But in that case, why don't you just pick Nevelas, which are so good at terraforming? I, mm-hmm. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I, I admit, I don't get it. But yeah, anyway. I, didn't want to, I didn't want to get into that because this means a lot of errata for the next episode. We will say, no, but the Academy opening. No, 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 no worries. I'm picking full, full responsibility okay. for that. Just, right. open, just open PI and Gaia form. Then maybe when you have 20 uh, games with ETARs under your belt, you can start with, uh, I don't know, Academy, uh, going up the economy track. But anyway, yes, you were correct. Look at the map, uh, looking for, uh, of course, one white planet with a QIC distance is nice. Yes, uh, ETARs uh, should look at... Uh, Tile number nine, of course, because there you have a gray planet within QAC distance and a, spe- and a Gaia planet, and also a transient planet next to your white. So that's important for ETARs. Uh, but yes, more or less the same considerations that we made for Terrans are true for ETARs. So look for transients, which are easy to access. You won't be a heavy Gaia form, likely, at the beginning, but Yeah, they're important. And you also can jump over transdims for other white planets. Uh, well, the other thing that we can say about white is, of course, about Nebulos. Uh-huh. Uh, um, I think that Nebulos in general should look for, should pay attention to other factions which are going to be picked. That is, if in play there are the gray and blue, you are better than them at terraforming planets in general. But if you start with a very build-up opening, say Planetary Institute and Research Lab, which by the way is my favorite opening for Nebulas, mm-hmm. you risk that all the easy to get, the so to say planets next to you are already taken. Uh, by already uh, and with already I mean by round two or three at latest mm-hmm. and you can be boxed Nebulas can be boxed actually easier than other faction so uh, pay attention to that look for uh, of course white planets within QIC distance but also uh, take into consideration that 
if both blue and gray are in play, it's not as risky as it is with the gray faction, because especially uh, blue is not a great tower format. But uh, even by just taking their home planets, uh, these factions can hinder your expansion a lot. Yeah. Uh, you, with Nellas, uh, consider that you, as I already said, you terraform with relative ease with respect to other factions. So adjacent planets, uh, namely on tile number eight and number three, are precious. Tile number eight is uh, especially important because it has both a blue planet next to your white and a gray planet at distance two. So that's a great tile as a start for Nevlas. But Nevlas are really the other factions which can and should uh, look at their home worlds, but especially at where the neighbors are going to be. Because if you don't have neighbors with Nevlas, the game will be a tragedy, basically. But otherwise, you can play a normal or I wish you a great Nevla game, Nevla's game. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it's think, fair to say in, think in about your opponents. Yeah, in in the case of in the case of Nevla's in general, in the case of the whiteboard, is that they have a, an easier life than others because the gray board is often not in play. Mm -hmm. It's it's probably the the less frequently picked color, and so it is often the case that all the gray, all these great planets, planets, you know, you 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 have them just for just for you, and, and even if you are a late expander, they will still be waiting by round three, and this is sometimes possible even in the case of blue planets because as we have said, of course, the Terrans will get their home planets if they can, but they are not, you know. Uh, help them on getting them. And so maybe one or two blue planets will still be available by round three. So that's another reason why it's, it's you know, the life of the whiteboard planet-wise is a bit easier than the life of the gray board. Yeah, the problem, the problem with gray in that case is that uh, they will be sought after by the brown player, which yes. will be in play. Yes. Uh, of course, of course. Unlike the gray one. So the, that can be a bit harder, but anyway, not nearly not as hard as for the mm -hmm. gray board, of course. Mm -hmm. And so we are done with factions and colors. Am I right? Yes, we, I hope we said something useful for everyone. And maybe you, you wanted to add something, I remember, about rotating stuff, right? Uh, yes, we have now come to the part of this episode, which is dedicated to uh, the topic of rotating sectors. So this is an option that you can choose to implement or not in your games. That depends. Some players love it. Some players uh, hate it. In general, this started playing Gaia Project and of course uh, we all started playing well most of us I guess we are we all started playing uh, live games of Gaia Project and I played for for years with, with a very competitive group of players and we had this kind of you, you can call it a uh, home rule if you want uh, we used to create maps that had one requirement that every color had at least one planet within QAC distance and possibly no more than one. So that it, basically all the colors were balanced in that the, the, start, the start conditions were pretty much the same for everyone. And I still recommend that if you are beginner players of, of Gaia Project, that, that's, that's a good way to approach your first game. So everybody can pick 
any color they want and still have a, a, a relatively easy start and a decent game in which they will not be boxed or star for planets and so on and so on. However, when you, when you get to a more advanced stage of your guy forming career, then you realize that having an, a perfectly balanced map does not mean balancing the factions because the factions themselves, as we have already discussed, are not perfectly balanced. It's a well-balanced game, but not that well. So there are factions that are in a, in a vacuum more powerful than others. Uh, so when it comes to rotating sectors, what you want to do is... First of all, to try to even out those factors that make the, the, the different factions unbalanced, right? So if, if you want to advise when you rotate sectors, you know, you will never make a mistake in giving something more to those colors that we all know are not the favorite colors in Gaia Project. So always make making a, a very good map for gray is rarely going to make the game unbalanced. If anything, it's going to make the, the, the game balanced in that somebody maybe will finally pick the gray board and we'll see some best codes action or some Firak play. And the same, I think, can be said for yellow. The same, the same can be said for orange. Uh, when it comes to red, well, red is probably one of the most difficult colors to assess on the map. And, and so for you to rotate sectors in order to, uh, to give a, a good map to, to, to red factions. So here's my point. The problem with red is that red is the color of the evits. And we all know that the evits can be unstoppable in certain conditions. So when you, when you rotate sectors, pay attention to the advanced technology tiles that are on top of the, the tracks that give you some, some bonus, right? So the science track, the economy track. I would say if there is a very powerful advanced tech tile on top of either one of these two tracks, and when I say very powerful tech tracks, I'm mainly thinking about three points per federations, um, then you have to give red hell. This is maybe not going to be enough to stop the EBITs, but you have to at least try. And so try to create the worst possible map for red, which you can imagine. It does not only mean to scatter all the red planets in the worst possible way, because as we already seen, the EBITs do not necessarily care about that. But try to box red planets within walls made of gray and brown planets, which are, which are the colors that they hate, that they have more difficulty in terraforming. So... If you want to actively block the evits, then you have to take all the red planets away from each other, all the Gaia planets away from the red planets, and try to box red planets with gray and brown. That's not easily done, I mean, uh, but you have to at least try do, uh, doing that, which is really a shame because in, in that scenario, nobody's ever going to pick Ashalas. And that's one of the reasons that Ashalas get picked so little, or should be picked so little, because often maps are, are, are conceived in a very specific way that is to nerf the Ibits, and that also means to nerf the poor, innocent Hatshalas. But anyways, this is Gaia Project, and the, the hard low of Gaia Project. And the same goes for white and blue. You have to be very wary of the Gaia-forming Terrans. Well, Terrans are always a Gaia-forming faction, and Gaia-forming Etars. So do not give them easy access to clusters of transient planets. Do not give them easy access 
to, well, to transiting planets in general and to their homeworlds, again, make their map hell. Because I'm, I'm, I'm saying this in a scenario that has a very good setup for Gaia-forming factions, right? So if there is a very powerful advanced tactile on the top of Gaia-forming track, if, there is, if Gaia is one of the main objectives, if satellites is one of the main objectives and Terrans are in play, remember Terrans are probably the, the most powerful faction when it comes to number of satellites. And if there are, if a lot of the, you know, round scoring bonuses are related to Gaia planets, then try to nerf the Gaia forming factions, the Terrans and Itars in particularly, by creating a map that doesn't give them easy access to transient planets and to their homewards. Favor other factions, try to uh, build a great map for gray or yellow, a very great map, so that maybe one says, okay, I have this huge tile on top of, of Gaia, but my game is going to be super hard. But maybe yeah. if instead I will I try Glintz this time, life won't be so tough. In, in case they won't pick those factions, you can pick them. Why not? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Give, give more to yellow, gray, and orange, and give less to Ivitz and, and brown. I mean, brown, they don't really care. They probably are going to have a good game anyway, unless the brown map is really, really terrible. You know, the brown board is going to perform well, all the same. What you really have to focus on are the, I would say the three most dangerous races, factions that you have to focus on are Ivitz, Terrans, and Itars, because these are the three factions that can get out of control point-wise at a certain point in the game. So try to calm them down and, uh, and try to give something to the factions that, you know, have difficulties in, in scoring points. And in general, these are, very in general, these are my recommendations. Of course, you know, every setup is different, every scenario is different. You have to take in a lot of different inputs from main objectives, uh, advanced tactiles, positioning of the basic tactiles, round scoring boosters, and so on and so on. But in general, these would be my suggestions for a good rotation of the sectors. Yeah, uh, also look out for uh, big clusters, which include brown planets, because uh, that can make also Taclons uh, something which cannot be controlled mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. in any way. That's, uh, I, I mean, big clusters are fun. Big clusters are allow you to play Valtax uh, more easily. Atlantids. Uh, c- create a good feel for Atlantids, but can also produce an unstoppable Taclon, because especially especially if the Lantids are taken, because Lantids have this problem. They're happy, they will receive charge almost from everybody, everywhere, but they also provide a lot of charge to other mm-hmm. players at mm-hmm. the beginning, which is the most critical phase of the game. So yep. even if a Taclon can build a, a simple trade station next to the Lantids initial planetary institute, that's a problem. I mean, look out for that also, not give, not giving... Taclons, uh, too many neighbors. Ambas are really not important because people will pick Ambas even if they were coated <laughs> with poison, I think. So that, that's not a problem. That's not a problem. People will, will grab them anyway. I don't know why. But yeah, in general, try to nerf those factions, uh, scatter blue planets uh, across the borders of the galaxy. If Gaia and Satellites is in play, look out for ETARs as well and do the best you can to make life difficult for Iwitz, especially if the three-point perforation advanced tactile is on top of science, economy, yep. and I would add QICs, because 
it's not hard for them to grab it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be that could be a thing as well. All right. So I think this is all we have to say about map-related issues in Gaia project. We can and will say a lot more when talking each faction, but in general terms, uh, I think we gave you a lot of stuff to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we hope we, you enjoyed this episode as well. We are looking forward to your feedbacks and ideas and whatever you want to say to us. Uh, look for us on Board Gamer Space. Uh, write to us, email, do whatever you want. Hope you had fun listening to us and hear you on the next episode of Pi Project. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.